Welcome to the Travel Therapy Mentor Podcast, your number one source for travel therapy information and education, hosted by travel physical therapist duo Jared and Whitney. Join us every other week on Facebook Live to learn about a new travel therapy topic or listen to the replay right here on our podcast. If you're new to travel therapy and ready to get started, contact us to get connected with the travel therapy recruiters and companies we recommend by visiting TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. If you're ready to remove the guesswork and jumpstart your travel therapy career, let us teach you step-by-step everything you need to know to get started and to be financially successful as a traveler by enrolling in our comprehensive travel therapy course titled Becoming a Financially Successful Travel Therapist. You can visit TravelTherapyMentor.com course and use the discount code TRAVEL to save $150 on our course. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com course and the discount code is TRAVEL. And if you're looking for the best way to get your CEUs online as a traveler who's always on the go, you can use our discount code to get the best rate on an annual MedBridge subscription, which is where we get all of our online CEUs. Use code FIFTHWHEELPT, that's F-I-F-T-H-W-H-E-E-L-P-T, for the discount, all one word. And last, if you're interested in getting started with credit card hacking to take advantage of free or low-cost travel like we do, check out our top credit card recommendations for travelers at TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. All right, and now on to this week's episode. Hey everyone. Hey everyone. Welcome to another Travel Therapy Mentor video. Tonight we're going to be talking about whether or not it's actually financially worth it to travel. This is a question that we get pretty often. Um, people that are considering travel, they're like, you know, my perm job's pretty good. I get these benefits. Uh, this is how much I make. Would it be worth it for me to travel or not? And, uh, you know, as with anything therapy related, you guys probably know everything depends. There's no one answer for everyone. It depends on several factors. Um, We wanna go over those tonight, so if you're considering traveling or if you're a traveler that's thinking about taking a perm job, um, we wanna talk about what factors you could consider to determine if continuing to travel is worth it for you financially or if maybe selling down into a perm job is actually better for you financially. Um, So Whitney's gonna introduce us and I'm gonna get this video shared in a few different groups. All right, hey everyone, my name is Whitney Aiken. And I'm Jared Kazaza. And we're both traveling doctors to physical therapy. We're the faces behind Travel Therapy Mentor. Many of you guys may have tuned in for our videos or our podcasts in the past. We've been doing these videos for, what, three three plus years now? Over three years, yeah. Um, we used to do them every single week. This last year or so, we've only done them every, every other week or every third week. Um, we've been a lot busier with our own travels. Um, and then also, we just feel like we've already covered a lot of the main topics in past videos. So we don't do them quite as often. We are thinking about going back and doing some of the old topics again um, as a refresher, especially for some of um, of you guys that are newer to travel therapy. So let us know if that's something you'd be interested in. Um, Lately, we've been doing a lot of finance related um, topics. We've talked a lot about inflation and different things going on with the job market and things like that. But we wanted to cover this specifically because we do get questions from people who are high earners that are really unsure if travel therapy is right for them, um, if it would even make sense for them financially. We also get that question from people who have, say, like a mortgage at home or some high expenses where they don't think that it really makes sense for them to travel. Um, So we will go into all the factors. Jared's getting the video shared in a couple of groups. Um, If you are watching live on Facebook, we would really appreciate it if you would just say hi in the comments. Just say hi do a waving emoji, um, a thumbs up, anything just to let us know you're there. 
Um, if you do watch later on the Facebook replay, you can type replay in the comments. We'd appreciate that to let us know that you did watch. And shout out to those of you guys that will leave, um, that will listen to it on the podcast later. We appreciate you guys um, that listen on the podcast as well. So a couple quick announcements before we dive into tonight's topic. Um, we are doing a course sale right now on our comprehensive travel therapy course. So for those of you guys that may not know, we offer a course that's a 12 hour um, comprehensive course that teaches you everything about how to get started with travel therapy and also how to be financially successful. We put a lot of time and effort into that course. Um, we made it last year, so at this time we've been traveling for about five or six years and we put in there every single thing that we think that you should know to get started as a travel therapist but we went way beyond just the basics we went way beyond just the essential basics of travel therapy um, because finances are so important to us and we know they're really important to a lot of you we took a lot of time to put a lot of financial content into this course so it not only teaches you just like how to be a travel therapist but how to be a successful one because unfortunately we do know a lot of travel therapists that do just kind of break even when they could be doing better financially um, they could be making better financial choices um, better investments and things like that so we do talk a lot about finances in the course if you guys are interested in that the sale was originally going to end tonight um, on sunday but i decided to go ahead and extend we decided to go ahead and extend the course sale until monday just because we knew we were going to be doing the video tonight and wanted to let a few of you extra um, folks know about it in case you didn't know about the course sale. So now you have until Monday if you do want to enroll. Um, the details of the course, you can find them on our website at TravelTherapyMentor.com course. Click there, you'll have the link to sign up. The code to save, 40% um, during the sale is 2022, just the year 2022. So you can just type that in when you go to checkout and that'll save you 40%. Um, and that is the biggest discount uh, that we offer on the course. So for any of you guys that are getting started with traveling, if you want to learn how to become financially successful the way that we have um, in our careers as travel therapists, highly recommend you take this course. It's really the best way to fast track yourself to success. So just a little bit about that. I see if quite a few of you guys are on live. Thank you for saying hello in the comments, letting us know that you are there. Hi, Daisy. Hi, Pam. Hey, Natalie. Hi, Sandy. Hey, Nick. How's everybody doing tonight? Yeah, I thought no one would make it to this video. We just announced it spur of the moment, so thanks for tuning in. Yeah, and the other thing I wanted to say, too, um, the reason we kind of did this video spur of the moment, we are currently on our road trip back to home, back to Virginia. We left our contracts in Alaska, and we're headed back through Canada right now, and we just weren't sure if we were going to have good Wi-Fi, good cell phone service. So at the last minute, we were like, you know, we should do a video. We haven't done one in a couple weeks. So um, Jared actually had written an article a few weeks ago. I just got around to editing it and publishing it today. The, the article is on the same exact topic that we're talking about tonight. And we think that's a good way for you guys to learn is like if we do an article and a video on the same topic, you can really dive deep into that topic. Some people learn better in written format when you can really take your time with the material. Some people like to hear our commentary on it. So you guys have both and we will link to the article after the video too for those of you guys that want to read the article. Yep. All right, so talking about the topic, um, when you're thinking about whether travel or perm is worth it, like uh, in terms of finances, there's a lot of factors to consider. Um, one big factor is how much you'd make with travel jobs. The, the considerations that go into how much you'd make as a traveler, uh, part of it is just getting good contracts. Some of it's luck. Some contracts are really high paying, some are really low paying. So part of it's luck. 
Um, part of it has to do with the setting you choose, the setting you're choosing to work in, the location you choose to work. Um, as we've talked about many times, the West Coast pays much better than the rest of the country for the most part. Um, often you can make more in, in jobs where you're working around metro areas, but that depends. Sometimes rural jobs also pay really well. Uh, it also depends on what your discipline is. Uh, that affects pay drastically. And it depends on the supply and demand in the market at the time. So we've seen that fluctuate quite a bit over the last couple of years. So setting and location are primary factors in how much you'll make working in travel jobs. Part of it also is luck. So um, those, depending on, on your answers to those questions, that will kind of give you an idea of how much you'll make as a traveler and, and if you choose to travel over take a permanent job. So if you're choosing to work in California home health jobs, you'll probably get paid really well as a traveler. If you're choosing to work pediatrics in Alabama, you're probably gonna not get paid that well as a traveler. So there's no way that you can have a one size fits all answer for this because there's situations where you can make twice as much as a traveler in some situations than um, in others. So home health in California, probably gonna pay double what pediatrics on the East Coast is gonna pay. So that is the first thing is how much will you actually realistically make as a traveler at the contracts. Yeah, and so we wanna dive deep into some of those um, different factors to help you weigh your own situation. Um, but it is also just important to point out that there are pros and cons to traveling, and for some people it's not all about the money. So you always wanna take into account you know, the other factors that are important uh, with traveling. Obviously you get to explore the country, you get to try out different settings, you get to meet new people, um, you have a lot of flexibility with your time, so there's a lot of pros. But there are some people who are kind of like, well, there's cons too, right? Like you have sure. extra expenses, you have to move quite often. Say if you have a family or some type of situation where you don't necessarily want to leave your family or your partner or your kids or your dog. Um, there's some things there that kind of offset it. And so then for a lot of people, it really comes down to the money. They're like, you know, I'm willing to go through the extra hassles and the cons of travel therapy if the money's worth it, right? So then that's like the deciding factor for a lot of people is like, well, I'm gonna make more money and I'm gonna have these amazing experiences. So for me, that outweighs the, the cons. And for us, that has definitely been our experience. Um, so will it be financially beneficial for you? You're gonna to have to determine yourself based on all these factors we're gonna talk about. But we can absolutely say that it's been both financially beneficial for us and an amazing experience. Yeah. Um, we've been able to use travel therapy, um, for those of you guys that don't know as much about our background, to get in a good financial position to where after only three years of working back-to-back -back travel therapy contracts, we no longer work full-time. And that's not from having a blog, that's not from having a side business or anything like that, which we do also have, but just strictly from three years of back-to-back -back travel therapy contracts, we were able to save and invest enough. Um, Jared really saved and invested more than I did, and his expenses are lower overall to where he doesn't necessarily have to work anymore if he doesn't want to at all. I usually work about three to six months a year now. Yeah, yeah. so there's, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um... It has definitely been worth it for us. There are definitely travelers that we've talked to that say that it's not worth it financially. And a lot of times it all has to do with the choices they made. Um, like Whitney said, I think a lot of times the pros and the cons kind of, uh, they kind of balance out in terms of if you're weighing all the negatives, like she mentioned, in addition to that licensing, that's a big hassle for a lot of people. Finding short-term housing can be a big hassle. Um, you know, if you take all those cons, you weigh them with like the adventure and exploring the country, meeting new people, all those things that people really enjoy about travel, it usually comes down to pay. Like that's kind of the determining factor. So those things kind of uh, level out and then, okay, is the pay really better or, or is it not? And then you have to consider things like what type of benefits you get at your permanent job versus what kind of benefits you get as a traveler. Yeah. 
So let's first talk about how much you might be able to expect to make as a traveler and what factors, factors are gonna go into why some travelers make more and some travelers make less. So the key factors on how much you can earn on a weekly basis as a travel therapist are the setting, the location of the job, the travel company that you work with, whether or not the travel company is finding the job for you through a direct, what's called a direct client or what's called a vendor management system. A vendor, vendor management system, also known as a VMS, is like a database of jobs. So it makes a difference whether it was a direct client or whether they had to find the job through the vendor management system, in, in which case there's a fee they have to pay for that job. And then the last major factor on how much you might make is supply and demand. Yeah, and in addition to the VMSs, also MSPs, managed service providers. Um, some companies are MSPs themselves, and other companies to access their jobs have to pay fees to them. Yeah. So that also plays a role. So let's break down the different settings and which ones tend to pay the highest. So for the most part, the highest paying travel jobs are going to be in home health. Um, that's pretty much what we've seen across the board for the last seven years. Even during COVID, home health jobs are going to pay really well. Um, next is usually going to be outpatient acute care are usually kind of tied for, for number two. They're, the pay packages are usually pretty close and then um, below that is skilled nursing and, and then a lot of times specialty settings like pediatrics. Um, sometimes especially settings will pay more so like say a women's health job sometimes they'll pay really well but sometimes they won't. It, it really depends. So those specialty settings are kind of one-off uh, instances that uh, doesn't have a lot of rhyme or reason to how well they pay but usually it goes home health, outpatient, acute care, kind of tied, um, skilled nursing. And, and those are the three. kind of in the middle too. Yeah, school, school settings, which a lot of therapists, at least PTs, a lot of times aren't taking school jobs. But usually school is um, somewhere in the middle uh, between probably, definitely not as high as home health, uh, but probably between like uh, outpatient and uh, acute care, somewhere in that range. Yeah, so if you're a therapist who's willing to take home health contracts or you have home health experience, you're absolutely gonna make the highest pay in home health. And that goes for perm and for travel jobs. So yeah. that's a big factor to consider. So the weird part about travel, uh, if you're new to travel, is that skilled nursing jobs pay pretty low. Uh, and, and not only do they pay pretty low, they're usually kind of the worst setting to work in. So there's a lot of travelers that don't ever want to take skilled nursing jobs. And uh, you can include us in those travelers that don't want to take skilled nursing jobs. Um, that is weird because for permanent jobs, a lot of times skilled nursing pays really well. Sometimes skilled nursing will pay close to what a home health job will pay for perm. Um, and that kind of outweighs the downsides of skilled nursing for a lot of people. And some, some perm therapists will choose to work in skilled nursing even though they don't like it that much because they get paid well. Um, for travelers, that's not necessarily the case. It's usually the lowest paying setting. Yeah, and again, this varies a lot. It also really depends on the next factor, which is the location. So that's not a foolproof thing, but generally we do tend to see that home health pays the highest out of all the other settings, but location plays a big factor. We have seen in certain locations, really high paying outpatient contracts, really high paying skilled nursing, just depends. Yeah. So location plays a big factor. Um, and some of the factors that impact why one location might pay over more of another, um, one of them is reimbursement rate. So certain states uh, get higher reimbursement from the insurance companies than other states. So for example, California has really high reimbursement rates, which is why as a permanent therapist or a travel therapist working in California, you make a lot more money in California than some of the other states. Yeah, Alaska also has really high reimbursement rates, so their pay rates are usually pretty high. On the other hand, Hawaii has very low reimbursement rates. You'll usually see very low pay rates in Hawaii, except in sometimes one-off situations where they really need someone. Sometimes you'll see 
um, higher rates, but usually they're like 1,600, 1,500 a week. Pretty low pay packages in Hawaii, both because of reimbursement, but also because of supply and demand, mm -hmm. which is another reason that you'll see jobs fluctuate a ton. So it, uh, a lot of times people think that travel jobs, it'll be based on cost of living in the area, what you get paid. But in reality, that's not the case a lot of times. A lot of times, really high demand areas pay less because they're high demand, because people wanna go there. So any job that pops up, they get a ton of applicants. If the manager knows they're gonna get a ton of applicants for a job, then they'll pay less for that job, knowing they'll still find someone. So you have to keep that in mind too. Supply and demand is vital. Um, and knowing which locations a lot of people want to go and if you want to make a lot of money avoiding those locations is important yeah unfortunately um the cost of living in an area doesn't impact the traveler's pay as much as you think it would the only place that it really can make a difference is if it's a higher cost of living area the allowed stipend amount per the government can be higher in that area so if the facility is offering a pretty decent rate to the travel company which is called the bill rate how much the facility pays the travel company to pay you if they're offering a pretty high rate to start with now your recruiter can move the pay package around in such a way that you'll make more after taxes if it is a high um, cost of living area because the stipends are bigger so even if for example there's like say a crisis job in a place like South Carolina where the facility is like we'll pay $100 an hour to get a traveler here well unfortunately the stipend um, limit the per diem amount that the government allows for South Carolina is going to be pretty low so your recruiters actually going to be fairly limited on the amount they can put into the non-tax stipend uh, part of your pay and so a lot of your pay is going to end up being taxed so there's just a lot of like levers that move the way the pay package can move around but in general what we want you guys to know is um, the location matters more because of the reimbursement rate for the area, not as much for the cost of living in the area. The other thing that can affect um, because of the location is if it's a rural location. So sometimes rural facilities will have higher uh, pay because they get government assistance. So this is particularly if you see something called a critical access hospital, they actually get more money from the government to pay their employees um, and they get reimbursed more from the government for the services they're providing. So you'll actually see sometimes in some of these really rural areas, they'll pay a lot more, even though it's a low cost of living area and it's rural and you wouldn't necessarily think they would pay a lot, but they might. Yep. Yeah, um, that's something we didn't understand when we started. And we took a, one of our highest paying contracts ever was in a fairly low cost of living area. And it was solely because there was nothing around. It was a very rural area that they got reimbursed really well. They really needed travelers at the time. And we got paid really well for that contract. So um, sometimes there's one off things where you'll get high paying contracts in areas you wouldn't expect. But for the most part, location and setting, um, that's going to be the order. So location, setting, home health, going to pay the most location west coast is going to pay more than east coast um, and that's how most travel jobs are yep um, the next factor that's going to affect how much you can make as a traveler is which travel company you're working with um, some travel companies do have um, higher overhead and some of them have lower overhead which is going to affect your bottom line that's going to affect how much of the pay package they offer you versus how much they keep for themselves for their operating costs it's yep. not going to make that huge of a difference in the long run because there's a lot of factors there we've talked about this um, just recently, I think we did one about how much money does the company actually keep, but it can make a difference. Yeah, and this isn't as straightforward as you'd think. So when we first started, and what a lot of travelers will tell other new travelers, is that if you work with a small company, you always get paid more. And that's not necessarily the case. If it is a direct contract with a small company, then yes, you usually get paid more because their overhead is lower. But if it's a contract through a VMS or an MSP, 
there are situations where a travel company that is small can't pay as well as the, the big company because the job is going through the big company to get to the small company. Which means that the small company, if you take the job through them, they have to pay a fee to that big company anyway because they're the one that are actually listing the job. So there are situations where a big company will pay as much or more than a small company, but the majority of the time, a smaller company with lower overhead can pay better. So um, that's why some ch travelers choose to travel with small companies. But you also have to keep in mind that the big companies always, when we do our job market updates, they always have more jobs than smaller companies. So there's trade-offs there. Yep. So as we kind of already alluded to, the next factor is direct versus VMS jobs. So if it's a direct client, that means, just think about it on a very small scale. It's just the recruiter and the company having a direct contract, a direct um, contact, if you will, with the facility. So like our last job was a direct client. Our recruiter called around to different outpatient clinics, talked to the owner of that outpatient clinic and arranged a contract. So he, she was dealing directly with the owner of that building and they were making all the decisions. And so there wasn't like these extra fees added in for her to get access to that job for us. However, if the job was listed on a VMS database or an MSP database, there's like an owner of that database that the recruiter might have to pay a fee to on top of like all their other overhead in order to give you access to that job. And that cuts into your pay package, those yeah. extra fees. Yeah, and uh, so for, for the example of our most recent contract, that job would have never existed if the recruiter hadn't specifically reached out to someone that had a perm job listed and said, hey, will you take a traveler? So th that's how a lot of these direct clients happen for the small companies as they, or for any company for that matter, they reach out to these, uh, these facilities directly and they say, we're a staffing company, we can be the primary provider for your staffing services. Um, let us know when you need a therapist, we can get someone in there. And they'll work with just that one company. Well, if it's a, say, a hospital system that has a ton of need, they don't want to work with just one company because then they, one travel company, because then they only have access to that travel company's travelers. They want access to all the travelers out there. They want as big a pool of travelers as they can get. So instead of going through one travel company, they list it on a VMS, a vendor management system, which lists the job, and then that job goes out to all the travel companies. And those travel companies can submit their best applicants for that job. The VMS then chooses from the applicants submitted the best ones to then give to the, the company itself, the hospital or whatever the facility is. And uh, that works better for the facility because they get the best option. They have a ton of travelers submitted um, versus going through one. But the downside is that that VMS for doing that service charges a fee. Um, so yes, that eats into how much you get paid as a traveler. Yep. And the last factor that we already alluded to that will impact your pay is supply and demand. So as Jared mentioned, if it's a really high demand place, say it's a job in San Diego, you might think, oh, well, San Diego, it's in California. That's a, that's a high paying reimbursement state, right? Um, it's a high cost of living state. Like I should be making a lot of money in San Diego. Unfortunately, we tend to see that San Diego jobs and other popular places like Denver, Austin, Texas, places like that, actually pay kind of lower and that's mostly to having to do with supply and demand because they know they have a ton of applicants and they know they can they're going to get 30 applicants even if they advertise it as a permanent job for 70,000 a year or as a travel job for 1500 a week they know they're going to get a lot of applicants so supply and demand makes a big difference whereas if you take if you are willing to go to a more rural place maybe a less popular place you can often drive the rate up and even like negotiate for hire because they don't have a lot of people um, applying for that job and they you're really in, you are really in demand at that time yeah and a lot of travelers when we tell about this they think they say things like oh that's not fair 
Um, you know, they shouldn't do that. They shouldn't pay you less just because the job's in demand. But you have to put yourself in the position of the manager or the company owner. If you know that you can list a job at $1,500 or $2,000 a week and you'll get a ton of applicants, what are you going to list it at? You're always going to list it at the lower amount where you know that the lowest you can pay and still get a good applicant is the amount you want to pay. And that's what all these managers and facility owners, for the most part, that's what they know. They're not going to pay additional money just because they're nice. They're going to pay the lowest amount where they can get a good traveler in there. And that only makes business sense. So you have to think about it from their perspective, not just from the traveler perspective of, I want to make as much as, as possible. So now that we've gone over the different factors that impact how much you can make as a travel therapist, why does this really matter? Well, what it really matters is if you're somebody who's going into travel therapy because you want to make the most money, and then you start looking at jobs and the recruiters are pitching you certain jobs and you're like, these jobs are paying really low. Well, you need to understand the factors and the, the areas that you have control over so that you can go out of your way to look for those higher paying jobs. Yes. Unfortunately, we get a lot of people that are like, yeah, I really want to travel. I want to make more money, but you know, I only want to work in like this area and I only want to go to this place or I only want to work in this setting. Well, as soon as you narrow it down to say that, then you're going to limit one of these um, important factors. So if you say, I really want to travel, but only within my state. Well, now you've narrowed it down to only one location. So you're really at the mercy of what jobs are available. Uh, and it's especially the case if you say, I only want to go to Austin, Texas. I only want to go to... San Diego, you're not necessarily gonna make the most money in those places. You can go to those places, you can have an amazing experience. Hawaii is another example. But you need to understand why these factors are at play and why it's gonna impact your pay so you're not necessarily going to be the traveler who's like, I make so much money, I make so much more money than I would be making at home because it depends on which jobs you're choosing. Yeah, and travelers often have a skewed perspective of what average is and even us, um, with all the contacts we have in the travel industry, all the jobs we see, we get a skewed perspective too. And the reason for that is the jobs that you see advertised are the high paying jobs. Unfortunately, that's a small percentage of the total jobs. Usually the ones that you see on job lists, like our job list, that's only about 10%, maybe 15% of the available jobs open. Those are the best jobs. Those are the highest paying jobs. They're the ones that um, they really wanna get people in there so they have high bill rates. The majority of jobs don't pay that well. And so a lot of times people will look at a job list like ours or another job list and they'll be like, oh, it looks like the average is probably like 2,000 a week. That's not really the average. That is the average on the high end of these small percentage of jobs that are, that are really good jobs. But the majority of travel jobs don't pay that well. Um, and so when you're choosing to go between travel jobs or take a permanent contract um, or take a permanent job, especially as a, uh, a new grad or something like that, it's important to understand that what you see on these lists is not going to be uh, representative of the whole job market. That's, um, that's usually only the high end that you're seeing advertised. Yep, absolutely. So we next want to get into talking about what is an average pay for a travel therapist and how do you compare that to what you can make on average at a perm job because that's really what matters, right? Is like how much gonna make traveling versus how much I would make perm. But before we get into that, if you guys are getting value out of this video, we would really appreciate if you could just hit the thumbs up button, give us some hearts, say hi in the comments, say thank you, just let us know that you're there. Um, we really appreciate it. Also, if you guys are watching live, tell us who you are. Are you a current travel therapist? Are you a PT or an OT or an SLP? Are you a student? Are you someone who's thinking about starting traveling? Let us know in the comments. Then yep. we can um, answer any questions that you guys have too. If you have questions, leave them in the comments. We'll answer them at the end. Yep. Uh, yeah, any questions, we'd love to answer those at the end. Um, even, even unrelated questions, we like to answer. Yeah. 
So um, it is important that you guys have a baseline understanding of how travel therapy pay packages work. And we're not going to go over that too, uh, too deeply in this video, but we have a lot of resources for you guys on our website at TravelTherapyMentor.com about how pay works. For a travel therapist but in general travel therapy pay we talk about it in a weekly after-tax total so um, we might say oh I make $1,800 a week after taxes and the reason we talk about it in a weekly number is because we don't usually work travel therapy contracts for a whole year right it's like 13 weeks 26 weeks we work on a week-to-week -week basis not an annual salary whereas if you talk about um, permanent jobs you say like oh I make 75,000 a year and that number when people say that uh, annual salary number is a gross number which means it's before taxes so it gets a little dicey when we try to compare um, apples to oranges here right yeah that that is very confusing for new travelers and even for experienced travelers um, talking about pay and trying to compare that to a permanent salary position is confusing and the reason for that is if yeah if you said as a traveler I make a hundred thousand a year what does that mean because if you're a traveler like Whitney that works 26 weeks a year then that's really awesome. If you're a traveler that works 52 weeks a year, then maybe that's not so good, especially when you consider uh, the cons of travel and the additional costs that you have. So talking about things in terms of a salary doesn't really make sense. And it also doesn't make sense to talk about things in terms of hourly rates because you part of your pay is taxed and part of it's stipend. So when you talk about it in an hourly portion, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. So weekly take home is the easiest way to talk about travel pay, and that's what you see most jobs listed as. Yeah. So with that said, we will see travel PT, travel OT, travel SLP jobs anywhere in the range of about $1,300 a week after taxes to $3,000 a week after taxes. We've seen jobs across that whole spectrum. Um, for our friends that are PTAs and CODAs, we've seen jobs uh, ranging from as low as $800 a week after taxes up to $2,000 a week, but that's very rare. It's usually yeah. more in the range of... Um, about a thousand a week to about thirteen hundred a week is more the PTA coda range, and I'd say a typical amount for PTOT and speech therapists, speech language pathologists, is going to be more in the range of sixteen hundred to two thousand a week. Would be your more average pay packages. Yeah, and and that kind of illustrates the point there that uh, what you see on job lists is skewed because if you look at our job list right now, the average is probably like twenty one hundred dollars a week but that is only the high end. So most jobs are probably 80% of jobs, I would say are between 1,600 and 2,000. And that's across the board, no matter what company you're working with, that's what's gonna be the average. Yeah. So it's important to not go into travel therapy with, um, with expectations that are uh, skewed, I would say. Um, that, that you think that every job you take, especially if you're working in a setting that doesn't pay high, in a state that doesn't usually pay high, you're probably not gonna get jobs paying $2,200 a week on average every contract. That's, that's pretty rare. So um, you need to go into it with the proper expectations. Yeah. So if you just look briefly at some examples, we've, we've done the math before. Um, if you were to make about $1,650 a week, say an average $1,650 a week after taxes um, for a full year, you'd make somewhere close to 115 to 120,000, the equivalent of 115 to $120,000 salary. So if a person was in a permanent job making a salary, a gross salary before taxes of about 120,000, that'd be the equivalent of a travel therapist who works year round and makes about 1650 or so a week after taxes. So with that said, you can see that it's very reasonable to expect if you're making what we consider an average con uh, contract pay, and you work most of the year, you can make over a the equivalent of over 100000 a year as yeah. a travel therapist. And isn't that 
based on working 48 weeks a year? Um, the 1650 is based on working about 50 or 52 weeks a year. Now, what we're going to get into talking about in a few minutes is the fact that a lot of travel therapists don't work uh, 52 weeks a year. So we ran an example today that was if you worked um, 48, 48 weeks. weeks a year, making about $1,800 a week, um, which can be reasonably to be expected depending on where you're working, again, the location, the setting, and all those other factors you talked about. That would be about 125,000 um, salary gross. Yeah, and realistically, the travelers that we've worked with thousands over the years, most work between 42 and 48 weeks a year. It is very rare to find a traveler that's working 50 weeks, 51 weeks, 52 weeks a year. Um, we were probably the exceptions to that. Our first two years, I think we worked like, first year we worked 52 weeks, the second year we worked like uh, like 50 weeks. So that's an exception. Most travelers are not working that many weeks per year, which is uh, a consideration. So you can't just take weekly take home, multiply by 52 and assume you're gonna work 52 weeks as a traveler because if you have a job in New York and the next job's in California, there's no way that you're gonna work 52 weeks a year because you have to have travel time to get there. So with that said, you can see that it's it's pretty reasonable to think that you're gonna make a good amount of money being a travel therapist. There are some travel therapists that are really hustling, they're really taking, um, taking all these factors in consideration, trying to get the highest pay packages possible that are making the equivalent of, of well over 150,000 salary per year. So it's it can definitely be lucrative if you work all these factors to your advantage. Now, we should explain when we say the equivalent of that means taking what you would make at a permanent job, say making 150000 a year, subtracting out the taxes, dividing that out weekly to see what your take-home pay would be making 150000 a year. And I don't know offhand what that would be, but I would imagine if you made 150000 you'd probably take home somewhere around $2,000 a week after taxes. So that's what we're talking about when we say the equivalent of. Right, because our pay is not taxed the same as permanent pay, which is why it's just a little bit confusing to understand the math. And if you guys want to learn more about that, again, I highly recommend that you go to our comprehensive um, guide to travel therapist pay. Um, it's, a, it's on our website, traveltherapymentor.com. If you click on the travel therapy finances section, it's the top article on finances. It teaches you all about pay. Um, so with that said, now we need to look at, okay, that's how much you could make on average as a travel therapist. Well, what would you be making if you took a permanent job or at your current permanent job? Now, this is gonna vary a lot for a lot of people. Yeah, so that's the, the crazy part when, when people ask this question is, is it worth it for me to travel? We go through all, well, this is probably about how much you'd make as a traveler, and then, and then they still say, well, I don't know if it's worth it. Well, we don't know either because depending on where you work in the country, depending on what setting you work in, for permanent jobs, the pay varies drastically. We've seen uh, new grads even. So we work a lot with new grads. We have them ask a ton of questions. We've seen new grads take permanent jobs anywhere from 55,000 a year um, on, the, on the pretty low end. There are some less than that, but I would say usually the lowest that we ever see is 55,000. Um, to the high end, we've seen new grads take permanent jobs making 110,000 a year. So it can literally be double depending on what setting and what location you're taking a permanent job. And that's job. for PT he's talking about. Yeah, that's for PT. Uh, PT, probably OT and SLP is similar. Um, but it can literally be double depending on if you're working, say, home health in Nevada, which pays extremely well, or if you're working pediatrics in, again, Alabama, probably pays pretty low, I would imagine. Um, so you have to think about when you're trying to consider if travel's worth it, what are you comparing to? You have to think, what would I make at a perm job if I took a perm job in my area? For most therapists that have experience, you know about what the range would be. But there's some new grads that have no idea what they would even make at a perm job in their home state, so they don't even know what they're comparing to. Um, so that is very important. What would you make 
at a perm job in your home location, you know, what would your alternative be if you didn't travel? And that's what you compare to. Yep. And I would say the biggest um, naysayers that we hear from are the people that are really high earners that are already really hustling to make a lot of money in their current role. A lot of times these are people who are working either full-time home health, they're, they're pretty experienced, they've negotiated pretty high pay, or they're someone who also works a PRN job on top of their regular job. Or we know people that string together multiple PRN jobs to get a really high rate, or we know people that have a cash-based business making a lot of money, maybe with also a PRN job on the side. These are people that are really hustling hard and they already make over $100,000 a year um, as therapists. And so they look at it like, I'm probably gonna make less as a traveler or maybe about the same and have higher expenses. So these are the people that really question whether travel therapy is worth it for them. And they might be right. They may financially come out about the same or a little less if they're already at the top of their earning potential in their field. Yeah, so over the years we've gotten multiple comments or questions, emails that say, why would I travel? I would make less than I make now. Usually that's people that don't understand how travel pay works. They don't understand the stipends. They don't understand what after-tax pay is compared to what they actually make after taxes. They're comparing it, they're comparing it to their gross pay weekly. Uh, but there are situations, I would say a handful over the years, where someone says, um, why would I do that? I'm gonna make less. I have a conversation with them. And then it turns out they're making like 130 or 140,000 a year at their perm job, um, working home health and working a ton of hours, working overtime. And I'm like, yeah, there's no reason to travel then. If you're thinking about it financially, keep your perm job. You're gonna make a lot more. You have better benefits. Don't travel. And uh, sometimes that's the answer. And um, most people just assume that you're always gonna make more as travel, but that's not always the case. If you have a really high paying perm job with really good benefits, there's a lot of situations where you should stay at that perm job. Yeah, and so what Jared mentioned there is extremely important. We get a lot of people that say, say they make $110,000 a year. All they do is they type into a calculator 110,000, they divide it by 52, and they say, oh, I make 2,100 a week as my permanent job. That's I'm gonna make less than that at travel jobs. Unfortunately, that's not accurate because it doesn't take into account the taxes. You can't just take a gross salary number, divide it by 52, that's not accurate. So make sure that if you are somebody who is in the situation, you are trying to make those comparisons, that you understand how the math works, that you understand how to compare travel pay to perm pay. But again, there are some people who, if they are working multiple PRN jobs or have a really high paying home health job or just have a really great situation where they're making over $120,000 a year as a therapist, it may not make sense financially, in which case you may just have to look at it and say, is it, am I going into it just for the finances or is it for other reasons too? Yep. I saw Leaf ask a, a good question there. We'll get to that uh, at the end. We've got a story for that. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, the take home message there is know what you're comparing to. You can't just compare travel therapy to um, an amorphous perm job that you don't know what it would pay. You need to know what you're comparing to in terms of how much you'd make at a perm job, what the benefits would be at that perm job, because you have to remember, you don't get paid time off as a traveler um, to know whether it would make sense for you to travel. Yeah. So that's a little bit on comparing the pay part of the equation. But what also really comes into play here is your expenses. This is the biggest thing that's going to affect how much you actually keep at the end of the day, right? And that's where a lot of people that have um, a permanent job, they already have the, a mortgage, they already own a home, they're like, well, I heard you have to duplicate expenses, right? Like I'm still going to have to pay my mortgage or my rent back home and still pay for a place to live when I travel, plus I've got moving costs gas, car um, maintenance, all those things. So then they're like, how am I gonna really come out ahead financially at the end of the day, right? 
Yeah. And that is valid criticism. I mean, um, the, a lot of times the audience that we're making videos and writing articles for, it's like people that, most travelers, I would say 90% of travelers are 30 or under. Like most people are just getting out of grad school. They want to travel for a few years. There's not a lot of travelers that are later in their career. There certainly are travelers. Um, and there's travelers like us that are getting close to mid thirties now, but most are, it's like you graduate at 25, 26, you want to travel for a few years and then you stop. Um, that's mostly who we're writing to because that's most of our audience. Um, and so when you, when you start thinking about what are your, what, what are your expenses back home? Because when you talk about duplicating expenses, if you're someone that just came out of school, you don't have many fixed costs you can make your costs really low for your tax home. You can rent a room, you could pay four or $500 a month back home, you can travel and you can make a lot. If you're someone later in your career, say um, you just had your kids leave the house, you're like 45, uh, 50, somewhere in that range, and you wanna travel, you already have like a $3,000 a month mortgage, and you're thinking, okay, well I'm gonna travel, I still have to pay this mortgage, and then I'm going to pay short-term housing, how does this make sense? In a lot of cases, it doesn't make sense. And the same thing, we've had people reach out, ask that question, and there are situations where I say, no, I would, I would not travel because unless you can rent out your house for part of the time while you're gone, it won't make sense. You're gonna make less money than you do when you consider all of your expenses at your perm job. So stay at the perm job, don't travel. Um, and, and there's a lot of situations where that's the case. But it all depends on how low you can get your fixed costs back home and how cheaply you can find housing um, short term while you're traveling. Yep. So in terms of your costs back home, that's one of the biggest factors for a lot of people. Um, we do own a home and part of what we do to make it affordable still to travel is house hacking, which Jared has written some articles and we've done some videos about this. House hacking just means taking advantage of the fact that you own a property, trying to rent out part of it to earn some income on your house while you're gone. So that might mean, that might look like um, airbnb out your house for some portion of the year or renting your uh, basement apartment to a tenant for the full year or something along those lines so that you're not having to pay all the costs yourself. You have a tenant um, or a renter of some sort helping to pay some of those costs. And that's part of what we do to make our um, costs more affordable at home. And before we owned a home, we've only owned a home for about two years now. Um, back in our first several years of traveling, we rented a room in a house uh, with our families to keep our expenses low at home. Yeah, so what your fixed costs are will make a huge difference on whether or not travel makes sense. So um, before you think about whether you wanna travel or not, think about how, many, how much expense do you have back home if you're going to travel? How much can you offset with things like renting out a place or moving to a cheaper place? How much can you offset versus how much are you gonna be forced to pay? Because short-term housing is not cheap. So if you have a lot of expenses back home and you're gonna be paying short-term housing, there's a lot of situations where you might be better off taking a permanent job and not traveling. Yep. So fixed expenses at home are a factor that you need to consider for your own personal situation. And then of course, there's a lot of strategies to try to reduce your costs while you're on the road and you're renting places at different, different travel assignments. And we've talked extensively about this in other videos and articles um, on ways that you can strategize. Um, you can try to go to lower cost of living areas. Um, if you are young and single, don't have pets with you, don't have family with you, don't have a partner with you, consider renting a room and a house at your travel location so that you're sharing expenses with roommates or just renting a room in some, uh, in like the landlord's house so that it's a lower cost. Oh, it's always gonna cost more if you get a private unit. Um, so if your goal is to make the most money, say you're a new grad, you're single, you don't, you know, you're okay with renting a room in a house, you just wanna get your loans paid off, you just wanna get in a good financial position, you can make your expenses really cheap, both back home and at your travel assignment and come out way ahead financially. Yeah, if you're renting a room back home as your tax home and you're renting a room on assignment, 
your costs are gonna be drastically lower and travel's gonna make sense way more for you than someone that has a mortgage back home and they're trying to rent a house on their assignment. Mm -hmm. So you have to think about that. What are your expenses gonna be? Is it really realistic to get your expenses lower or are you, are you kind of stuck with those fixed costs? In which case, that, that's kind of a, a point against traveling. Yeah, and so we get that too from a lot of people that are either traveling with family or traveling with a pet and they're like, I need my own space. I need a full one to two bedroom um, apartment. I need a house with a yard. Yes, you're gonna have higher expenses. So you just need to look at the other side of the equation. Where can I make the most money? Is it still gonna make sense? Or maybe even if you just break even and you're happy with breaking even because you wanna have these experiences, that's part of it too. Um, but you just have to look at all these different factors and how it's gonna play into your personal situation or whether or not it's worth it. Yep. Um, so the last thing I wanna mention here, um, we kind of alluded to it earlier, is time off between contracts. So. As Jared mentioned, I think um, he said that a lot of people take off between jobs. Our first year or, or year or two, we did not take off time between jobs because we worked close enough to home to be able to travel home on the weekends and the holidays without taking time off. We maybe took like one or two days off to make it a long weekend, but we never took time between contracts because we were really focused on saving as much as we can could. Um, and so we were able to still meet our tax term requirements and all that by just traveling home on the weekends. I think our first nine months, we were within an hour of home yeah. um, on our, all of our travel assignments for the first nine months. Yeah, and that's, that's a rare situation. So we specifically made it very strategic that we would be able to not take time off but still meet our tax term requirements by going home on the weekends and things and being close enough where that was feasible. Most travelers are not gonna do that. And if you're not gonna do that, that means you need to spend at least four weeks or so back home or at least not working on a contract, right? Um, and part of that time can be commuting to the new location, things like that. So realistically, most travelers are not gonna work more than 48 weeks per year. Um, most work even less than that. There's a lot of travelers that take a full month off between contracts. So if you're comparing pay as a traveler versus pay at a permanent job, you have to think about how many weeks are you probably gonna take off? And there's no way to know for sure, but you can know whether or not you plan to try to take contracts like every seven days, so you finish, you have seven days off and then you start the next contract um, or if you're someone that's going to want to take two or three weeks off to travel do road trips or travel internationally or do things like that um, and part of that is the benefit of travel because you can take as much time off as you want but part of that is a detriment too because you don't get paid for that time yeah. so when you're trying to compare um, think about what would you you know you're working at a permanent job effectively you're working 52 weeks a year because the vacation time you take is paid so you're getting paid for that full 52 weeks. As a traveler, if you only work 45 weeks, you're only getting paid for 45 weeks. So take into account when you're trying to decide how much time do you plan to take off between contracts and calculate that into any, any, um, any calculations you're doing um, to determine if I'm making 2,000 a week on average and I'm working 45 weeks on average, what am I gonna make? What would I make at a permanent job? Um, you make sure that you take that into account and don't just assume you're gonna work 52 weeks because you're probably not. Yeah, and you also have to account for just some unforeseen um, circumstances and unforeseen expenses that could pop up. So while you might plan to work most of the year, there could be an incident where you can't start right away because um, you can't find a job right exactly when you wanna find a job or your license gets held up or your credentialing gets held up. Or your contract gets canceled. Or your contract gets canceled. So you do have to account for some of those unforeseen circumstances. Um, also, it, you know, you are driving more, so you could deal with more car breakdowns and uh, unexpected expenses that might come up. And so we always recommend that you have a safety net, that you have a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, emergency fund. Emergency fund. Um, 
available, but, but you also have to take that into account with your bottom line. Like you need to, if you're really going into this only for the finances, you need to make sure that you've cushioned it enough to where you're making significantly more to offset some of those unforeseen costs that might come up too. But again, with all of this, the caveat is weighing the factors that are important to you. If you're going into travel therapy for the experience, to get to see the world, to have more flexibility, to try new settings, to meet new people, that is, in my opinion, invaluable. But if you're someone who is strictly like, I don't really want to travel, I don't really want to deal with the hassles of travel, but I will deal with it if I'm going to make more money, then these are all the things you have to consider. Like, are you actually going to make more money? Now, since there's so many variables, there's so many considerations, all we can really work on is averages. Um, and I would say for the average person, if, you have, if you're someone that that lives in a state where you're probably going to make an average permanent salary, you're not working in an excessively high or low paying permanent job, um, you're travel, taking travel jobs that are not really low paying, um, I would say for most people, and, and your costs are not really crazy high, most people you're going to come out ahead, you're probably going to be making and keeping somewhere between one and a half times to two times as much as you would make at a permanent job. That's certainly been the case for us. We probably were closer to, um, for most of our contracts, we're probably one and a half times what we'd make back home, but there were definitely some where we make twice as much or even a little bit more than twice as much as we would expect to make back home. So that's the majority of cases, but like we said, there's very wide tails on that distribution. So there are some people that actually come out behind taking travel contracts when you take all those factors into consideration. And there's some people, like say you're someone that your permanent job options are not very great. Um, say your perm jobs at your home location might pay 60,000 a year and you're willing to take home health contracts in California where you're making pretty consistently $2,400 a week after taxes and your costs are very low, you might make three times as much as you would make at a permanent job back home. So there's a wide range of outcomes that you could have. And that's why there's no one size fits all answer for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And this is again, it just goes back to if you're only going based off what other people are saying on the internet, you really have to take everything that somebody says with a grain of salt because every person's situation is different than yours. And that, that's us too. Like if you guys are listening to us say, oh, we, don't, we worked three years, three years. Like people who are later in their careers trying to figure out an exit strategy and a retirement plan, they're probably looking at us like we're crazy. We worked three years full time as physical therapists and now we don't work full time anymore. That's insane. But our situation may not be your situation. Yeah. If you're someone who has these high fixed costs, you have a family with you, you're not willing to do some of the things that we did to make more money and save more money. It may not be the same for you, but we also knew people that came out way ahead of us that did things that we weren't willing to do, like renting rooms in a house and moving moving to exactly the place where the highest pay was. We didn't always do that. We always wanted to prioritize having a good clinical environment and the setting that we want. We sometimes took lower paying jobs just because it was a good, uh, it was the outpatient like one-on-one -on -one, and that's what we wanted. We took jobs in the 15 to $1,600 range quite often where there were jobs in the 1900 to $2,000 range, but we didn't want them because they weren't the setting or the location that we wanted. Yeah, and we always say that. Um, we would much rather, uh, just the other day someone sent an email and uh, they were saying, what are the best and worst jobs you've had? And my answer was, well, they were, they were talking about it from a financial sense. and. It doesn't really make sense to talk about it that way because some of the worst jobs we've had paid the best, but they were terrible clinical environments. And then some of the best jobs we had paid the lowest because it was one-on-one -on -one outpatient. We really loved it. We, we hated to leave. So it's not always about making the highest pay. We would much rather take a job that pays a little lower, that has a really good clinical environment, good managers, low productivity expectations, really laid back than working at a clinic where you're seeing 20 people a day and you're making really high pay. 
but that all depends. There are some travelers that don't care about that. They just want to make the most that they can. They'll see 25 people a day and, and that's no big deal to them. Yep. So in summary for us, it's been an absolutely amazing financial decision. We've gotten in an excellent financial position based on working as travel therapists and using some good strategies to get into a good financial position and save the most, not only make the most, but save the most. But on top of that, we had really invaluable experiences. We've been to, throughout our travel careers, all 50 states. We haven't worked in all 50 states, but we've traveled and visited all 50 states. We've, we've taken time off and traveled internationally for five to six months at a time. Um, allowing us to go to 35 different countries. We've been to most of the national parks in the U.S. We've met so many people across the country and had so many incredible experiences. We added it up the other day. We've worked in, was it 22? No, it was like 30, I think it was over 30 clinics we've worked in. Over 30 clinics that we've had experience working in. So we've learned so much valuable information as clinicians about how different clinics and facilities operate. We've learned what we do like, what we don't like. We've had just invaluable experiences. And on top of that, we have come out significantly ahead financially. There's absolutely no way we could have come out this, this ahead financially and had this many life experiences if we hadn't chosen travel therapy. Yeah. But we do want you to know it's really important that you weigh all these factors for your situation. Do not just listen to the people online that are trying to say like, travel therapy's the best, you're gonna make so much money, but also don't listen to the people online that are like, travel therapy's the worst, you don't make more money. It's it in the depends, middle. it really depends. Yeah, it depends and it's almost always in the middle. And uh, I'll say this over and over again, the people that always try to tell you, oh, I only take jobs paying really high and my companies pay really well, those are people trying to sell you on their travel company so that they get referral bonuses, right? So be careful listening to people that you see saying those types of things in groups because almost always there's an ulterior motive there um, and you can't really explain things very well in text, obviously. We're 45 minutes into this video talking about whether it's worth it or not. You can't explain that in text. Yeah. So be careful listening to people in groups that'll just say, I always get paid really well, um, all my jobs are perfect, uh, my recruiter will pay you more, That those are lies. Yeah, because unfortunately a lot of people will come into it and they're like, well, but the jobs that I'm getting pitched are paying lower. And it's like, well, is your search criteria anything like what they said? That They were working only in San Francisco, only taking home health, and they rented a room in a house. But you told me that you only wanted to take jobs in Kansas or Missouri so you could be close to family and drive home on the weekends for the weddings this summer. So you really limited your pool of job options and the pay isn't higher there. So no, like your situation is not the same as that other person's situation. You just have to take that into account, right? Yep. So we hope that this was helpful for you guys in making some decisions about, you know, whether it's right for you, whether you're going to make a lot of money, some strategies you can use to make more money as a travel therapist. Yep. Um, if you guys have questions, please leave them in the comments. We're happy to answer any questions that you have. Yeah. Before we get to the questions, did you talk about the giveaway? Oh, not yet. So we are, we're doing a end of the year giveaway. We're actually doing multiple end of the year giveaways. Uh, we're giving away $1,000, five $200 gift cards for anyone that took contracts to one of our recruiters and will give us feedback. So we have a form on our website, contract completion form. Um, if, you, if you need us to link to it, we can do that. Uh, but if you took a contract to one of our recruiters this year, we want feedback. We have a, we've got over 50 recruiters now. So there's really, it's difficult for us to keep them accountable, make sure they're always good. The only way we can really do that is to get feedback from you guys. And our incentive to do that is to, to give away $1,000. So we're giving away five $200 gift cards. Um, fill out the form if you took a contract. Let us know how the recruiters did, ones that are good, ones that are bad. We want your honest feedback. Um, that's the best way we know to get rid of recruiters that aren't the greatest. And then we're constantly trying to add new ones that will be good. Um, we're also giving away a $100 gift card for leaving a review either on our Facebook page or on iTunes. 
and then we're doing a $100 giveaway for um, course members. So we've got quite a few course members now for leaving a review on our course. Um, again, honest feedback. We don't want uh, fake reviews or anything. We want honest feedback. If it's not good, tell us. Yep, so if you are watching this on Facebook, um, if you've watched our Facebook Live videos before, we would really, really appreciate it if you would take five minutes to go leave us a review on our Facebook page. You just go to our actual business page on Facebook, like type in Travel Therapy Mentor and it'll pull up our business page and it'll say like five out of five, stars 20 some reviews click on that area and it'll give you the opportunity to leave your own rating and review we'd really appreciate your feedback um, if you have listened to our videos and watched our videos in the past if you are somebody who listens on the podcast um, unfortunately spotify and the other platforms don't really have a good place to leave reviews but apple Podcasts does so if you listen on apple Podcasts, you can leave it there um, leave us a review and a rating on there. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah, and right now for that contract form, I, I went through them all today. We only have less than 20% of people that are eligible that have actually filled it out. So if you are eligible, fill it out because your odds are really good right now if, yep. uh, if those people don't, don't fill it out. Yep, so five of you are gonna win $200 at the end of the year. Um, we did it last year and gave away a thousand. So please leave a review and um, also enter that contract completion giveaway and hopefully you guys will win. All right, so if you have any questions, feel free to leave those now. We're gonna start at the bottom and uh, go up from there. Um, how do you get an idea of the clinical environment management and productivity without visiting the location? Um, all has to be in the interview. So the interview is extremely vital as a traveler. We talk about that over and over in our course and our videos, the interview is extremely vital. Uh, we have an article and we've made, I think a couple videos now talking about questions that we ask um, that is really your only outlet or your only view into what the clinic environment is going to be like. So don't just treat it as like a quick interview. Oh, they want me. I'm going to go make sure to ask hard questions make sure to keep the person on the phone, listen to how they respond, see if there's someone that just want to get off the phone and be done with you. Probably not a place you want to go. Um, so ask questions about productivity, um, about what are the therapists that are there? What, the management's like what um, you know is the person is the manager in the building or not that's a situation we've run into before where the person you're interviewing with is not even in the building they don't even know what the clinical environment's like there so ask those questions if you need to do a follow-up call with someone else that's in the actual facility if it's a situation like that then make sure to do that and uh, that's really your your only opportunity so ask the right questions keep them on the phone get a good feel for, for what they're like. And sometimes it's hard to get a feel for it. Like you can ask the questions and they can give the basic answers, but sometimes I just try to get them talking a little bit and just get a vibe for how the manager sounds as a person. So you always wanna ask about, um, like I know that's Alex who asked it and he works in outpatient clinics mostly. So if it's outpatient, we always ask very detailed questions. How is the schedule set up? Is it one patient every hour? Is it are they overlapped on the half hour? Are they double booked on the hour? Are they double booked on the half hour? God, then run away. What number of patients per day um, do they double book? What number of evals typically per day or per week? And this could vary, but it's a good question to ask because just get a feel for what they say. Um, if they say like, oh, like, you know, we don't, we're not too heavy on the evals. Or if they say like, well, sometimes 40 come in in a week, it's like red flag. Um, you know, do you have techs? Do you have PTAs? Um, what's the staff like there? Um, are the, do the staff all get along pretty well? You could even say something like, do the staff get together on the weekends? And just, just see what they say. Like maybe they'll say like, no, nobody really likes each other. Or maybe they'll say like, yeah, like we have get togethers all the time. We have employee retreats, blah, blah, blah. At our last job, we got invited to the employee retreat the first week we were there. It was fabulous. Like the clinical environment was great there. Um, so sometimes you just have to ask certain questions just to get a feel, get a picture in your mind of what it's like there. Um, if it's a skilled nursing facility, say, you know, oh, do the therapists all like 
treat together in the therapy room? Do they document? Do they you know, go back to their own corners? Or, you know, do they typically get their documentation done when they're with patients? Just get a feel for how the flow is. Picture yourself there. Picture your experiences before, whether it was a clinical or a job that you had before in a skilled nursing facility. Walk through the day and think like, oh, I remember that used to be a problem. I'm gonna ask about that. Um, that's what I do because I'm like, oh, I remember when I worked at a skilled nursing facility and it was awful and this is what happened and the reason why was because of this, so I'm gonna ask about that. Or same thing with outpatient, like get a feel for, oh, do the therapists usually get their documentation done with the patients before they leave for the day? Or is the, the person who's interviewing you gonna say, no, you can take your laptop home and do that on your own time. Yeah, well, that's a, a red time. flag. Yeah. So you just have to picture yourself there, think of those questions, write them down in advance. Yep. Okay, Caitlin says, how do you go about negotiating a pay package with the stipends being set by the government? So this is a little bit of a misconception because the maximum stipends are set by the government. So the very most you can get is uh, determined based on the IRS rates. But most pay packages are not gonna be high enough to max out those stipends anyway. So let's say, for example, you're working a job in San Diego. The max weekly stipends for housing, meals, and incidentals might be $1,500 a week. Well, your total pay there, the, the amount that they're able to pay you, the travel company gross based on the bill rate they're getting from the facility, might only be $2,000 a week. So they can't pay you $1,500 in stipends because then you wouldn't make enough in your hourly pay. So you have to take into account um, basically how high is the bill rate? Is it able to max out the, the stipends that are allowed? In most cases, it won't be. Probably, I would say, 80% of cases you're gonna get less than what the maximum is to still have a reasonable taxable pay rate. There are situations though where it's maxed out. So say there's a bill rate, sometimes we see bill rates $100 an hour, and that might max out the, the stipends in that area, in which case then your taxable pay just goes up. So you might have, instead of what your normal taxable pay, usually it's between 20 and $25 an hour, on a really high bill rate pay package where the stipends are maxed out, your reimbursements are maxed out, you might be making $35 an hour taxable in addition to those stipends. So that's how you negotiate. If it is maxed out, you negotiate with the, um, the, uh, the taxable rate, higher or lower. And then if the stipends aren't maxed out, then you negotiate by increasing the stipend rate um, if possible, while still keeping your taxable rate reasonable. In a lot of cases, you might be negotiating by saying, can you go back to the facility and ask for a higher bill rate so that you have more money to pay me in the pay package? Or you can ask the recruiter if there's any wiggle room for them to you know, take a lower margin, pay you more. Um, we have an article about negotiation. We can link to that. It goes into a lot more detail. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. So Leaf story. Uh, tell us about your most harrowing situation you ever got into while towing or parking your fifth wheel. So for those of you that don't know, we used to travel in a fifth wheel camper. We traveled for three years in a fifth wheel while we, that was our three years that we um, worked full time, essentially. Uh, we traveled in a fifth wheel. Yeah, Leaf, tell us your story too. Um, so our worst situation, um, we were really, really bad about planning out our route ahead of time. And I would recommend to anyone that travels in a camper to plan where you're gonna stop when you're going from one location to the, to the next location. Like plan out, okay, this place has a really good truck stop um, where we can get gas easily, the parking lot's easily accessible, they've got good bathrooms. Maybe plan something like every three hours, so you're stopping for gas, stopping to go to the bathroom, and you're not having to go off that route much. We never did that, um, so we were always winging it. And what we were driving separately, because I would be pulling the fifth wheel, wouldn't you be driving in her car? Part of the reason we were always winging it is because we were in a hurry to get on, finish the contract on Friday, start a new yeah. one on Monday, and we had to book it. We were always in a hurry. So uh, we had a situation where we didn't plan it out ahead of time. 
Um, I have like 50 miles left before running out of gas. And then I, I would call Whitney and be like, all right, we need to stop for gas soon. Keep an eye out um, for a, a truck stop location or something like that, a big place where we can get the RV in. And uh, in this instance, we ended up getting off at an exit that said there was a gas station. Turns out it was closed, got back on the interstate, went further. We're really close to running out of gas at this time. So then we just had to pick an exit and hope that it would work out. Turns out it didn't work out. Um, the parking lot was extremely slanted, so I tried to go up it, and it ripped the stabilizer jack off the back of the fifth wheel. So that was our our worst experience. Uh, I was so upset about that because going up, I just hear it scraping. Uh, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't back back into the road, so I just had to go, and it pulled. Uh, it didn't rip it all the way off. It bent it so much that it was unusable, but that was uh, the worst. That was our worst towing and parking experience, but we could go on, we could do a whole video about all of our worst, best and worst experiences uh, traveling in an RV. In fact, actually, I was thinking about doing another video soon about um, traveling in an RV because we haven't talked about that in a long time and I know a lot of people have questions. So if that's something that would interest you, please leave us a comment and let us know because I was thinking about doing that soon. Yep. Alrighty. Um, Alex says, I've been doing home health on the side during this travel contract and it's been a good balance mentally. Yeah, that's good. Take advantage of that early in your career because I, at least for us, the further we got along, the less we wanted to do extra work. But for your first few years out of school, I think you should probably hustle, save as much as you can, work those extra jobs, work overtime. And that's what we did. And, Especially um, before you have a family. It's yeah. just a good time to just earn as much money as you can. That was a big factor in us getting in a really good financial position is working extra hours, working PRN. Um, but you know, at this point, I, I can't even imagine working full-time, much less working 50 hours a week. So uh, take advantage of that while you're younger and while you have, um, you're excited about the field and you have more energy, do it then. Alex also said he saw a contract for $4,000 a week in Wyoming a couple of months ago and he was curious if it was legit. We've never seen pay packages that high unless it's an extreme crisis situation. So I think we actually did maybe see one during COVID that was like 4,000 or 4,500. But those are extremely rare. Um, so possibly, probably it wasn't legit. Possibly it was gross pay, in yeah, which case another. after taxes, it was closer to the 3000 mark, which we do know um, at least one PT that we know that works in like the Bay Area home health, he makes close to 3000 a week. Yeah. Um, I don't know about Wyoming. It might've just been like a one-off situation, but it's definitely not common. Yeah. All right, see if we have any more questions from you guys. Thank you for all the questions. Let's see, that may be it. Just had some people saying hi. Oh, um, just some commentary from Nick about his birthday. I'm sure that was quite the experience. <laughs> Nick, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Those Texas birthdays. Um, let's see if we have any more questions. Um, <laughs> Forrest says, I think you should give away $500 if someone can beat Jared's 335 bench press. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was uh, exciting. So I tied my all-time record just uh, last week. Um, that was a record that I set like uh, years ago and I almost beat it. So hopefully hopefully we'll be able to set a new record soon. But yeah, if anyone can beat that, I'm, I'm impressed. Yep. Um, so Caitlin says a pros and cons video about RV living would be great. Okay, um, we'll definitely do that soon because it's been a long time since we talked about RVing. So yeah, a lot of a lot of our new followers don't even know that we lived in an RV for three years. Which... I know. I was just talking to. Um, there's another. Um, there's like a nurse travel nurse influencer that's on Instagram, and they do a lot of content, um, a lot of education, and they do a lot about their RV. And I was like, 
You know what? We haven't even lived in the RV since we were on Instagram. Yeah, since 2019. <laughs> like we, that was that was just funny for some people. Like some people only know us from Instagram, and so it's funny to think that we had like our full three years of travel full time in the RV before we even had an Instagram account. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, by funny. the way, we're 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 gonna have a giveaway on Instagram soon. We just hit 15,000 followers last night, so we'll have a couple Instagram giveaways coming up. If you're not following us on Instagram, follow us there as well. Yep. Tammy said, how do I enter the drawing that you mentioned? So Tammy, we have three different ones. One of them is if you took a contract with one of the companies that we um, recommended to you, like one of the recruiters, if you had previously filled out our recruiter recommendation form or um, contacted us about one of the hot jobs on our hot jobs list, and you took a contract with one of the recruiters that we recommended, um, you can fill out that form. I'll link to it after the video, but it's also on our website at traveltherapymentor.com. If you click on the menu and click giveaway, the contract completion form is there. Um, for anyone, not just someone who took a contract, the other giveaway that we're doing is if you leave us a review. So Tammy, if you wanna to go to our Facebook page, uh, Travel Therapy Mentor, make sure you're on the business page, not the group, um, and you can leave us a Facebook review and then just send us a screenshot of the review. Just take a screenshot of it on your phone or your computer and send us a message and that way we'll know you left us a review and you'll get entered for that giveaway, which is for $100. The other one's for $200. Um, and then also there's a, there's a giveaway for people that are in our course, but Tam, I don't think Tammy's in our course, so she's not talking about that one. Oh my gosh, lots of questions tonight, guys. Uh, Tyler says, do you ever decide this contract is one to save versus we want to enjoy this one? Are those frequent discussions you have uh, before contracts? Yeah, for sure. Uh, actually, our first three years, it was all about saving. Um, and I don't know if I'd necessarily recommend that. Um, I think you probably should have some fun contracts and like some, uh, ones that you kind of buckle down and work a lot of hours and like I said work PRN jobs I think you should kind of mix those in if we could go back I probably would do it that way But instead we spent basically our first three years working as much as possible. Um, I mean between Contracts PRN overtime and writing on the website. I was spending uh, at least 60 hours a week for our first three years uh, working all the time and um, and then after that now we only pretty much take contracts for fun. Like all of our contract locations are gonna be fun locations from now on. Uh, we're never gonna take a contract just for the finances. So I, if I could do it back, I would probably intersperse those a little bit. And I think you should definitely have those situations where the job pays 3000 a week, pops up and you get submitted for it. And it's something that's not a great area, not the ideal setting, but you're able to just buckle down and work it, do that. And then maybe take a $1,500 a week contract in Hawaii where you can really enjoy it. The next contract. I think that's a great way to approach it. Yeah. Probably some more balance would be helpful. We definitely did things to the extreme, but you know, it paid off in the end. So it just depends on what your goals are. Yep. All right. I think that's all the questions and comments. Thank you guys. Um, I'm excited. So many people were able to tune in live, um, for a spur of the moment video. Um, hopefully this gave you some insight. If you have any additional questions, feel free to ask those or comments, anything that we missed, feel free to let us know. Um, feedback, anything like that, we always appreciate it. If you have any video ideas, we definitely appreciate that as well. Yep, let us know. Again, our course is on sale through tomorrow, through Monday. The sale ends Monday. If you're interested in signing up for our course, it will teach you everything step-by-step, step, how to get started traveling, how to be financially successful. Obviously, I mean, I hate to tune our own horns, but we have a pretty good amount of knowledge and experience in being financially successful as travel therapists. So let us teach you how to get started. Um, let us teach you how to pursue a path that we've that we've done. Um, you can go to our website, traveltherapymentor.com slash course. The discount code is the year 2022. So it's just 2022. It'll save you 40% on the course through tomorrow, Monday, the 22nd. Yeah. Um, and, and then 
And another thing to add is anybody on the fence, this is not a course that we're like really trying to push on people, right? If you, if you sign up for it and you don't like it, we have a 30, 30 day money back guarantee. We're, we don't want anyone to take it that doesn't feel like they get value from it. So um, in our opinion, it's a, a no lose situation, but you know, we want people that don't have any experience to have an easy place to go, learn everything. It's well worth the value. Um, you'll definitely get more than what it's worth. Yeah, we thought about charging like a couple thousand dollars, but we were like, well, probably nobody's gonna shell out that much money. But we really do feel like it's, it's worth thousands of it's dollars because you're going to make back the cost with the sale it's like 325 um, you're gonna make back that cost almost instantly in your first or second contract by using the skills that we teach you um, to find good contracts and negotiate and all that so you'll definitely make it make the money back on it multiple times over throughout your career of being a travel therapist um, just by the financial strategies yep all right thanks guys uh, we'll see you next time all right have a good night bye